0: This fantasy scenario where mickey mouse like for there's like a 12-hour period in the middle of the night one day when mickey mouse is in public domain before disney can snatch them up again and i'm awake at that time and i can just buy the rights to mickey mouse for a song and hold mickey mouse ransom until disney you know gives me the, the i don't know i don't even know what i would demand but something
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon. <laughs> oh, God, you're recording that? The my, podcast we My review ransom TV plans. Shows. The podcast where we review TV shows that last only one season or less. Mm. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for The Wrap and IGN and Bloody Disgusting. Everybody calls me Bibbs. <laughs>
0: and my name is Whitney Seibel, and I take cartoon characters hostage. <laughs> and I rate reviews for various outlets around the Internet. Uh, I am a film critic as well. Yeah. That,
1: that, In addition I, to a nefarious supervillain. I'm
0: not just a supervillain. I just play one on television. And uh, welcome to episode one of season four of Cancel
1: Too Soon, aka mm. episode 148. We've done 148 of these bad boys. Uh, that's not including a lot of our bonus content mm. over at the Patreon. Uh, our Patreon has recently expanded. It is now mm. patreon.com slash critic acclaim. So much bonus content. Like, there's literally like a ton more bonus content. I know there was a bit more of a gap. Between seasons, than we usually do. uh, And that's because we were trying to stuff the Patreon full of full of cool stuff. So we got uh uh all our yesterdays a new podcast where we're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek ever of every Star Trek that is. That's right. So if, if this goes
0: on for what was it? 17 years we I think figured it out.
1: 29 if we do it bi-weekly. Okay, yeah, 29
0: years later. So if we we're still around in 29 years and podcasts still exist we as a still medium be doing this.
1: <laughs> then we'll still be doing it. Uh we we got uh new episode of the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie going up in a couple of days. We have a commentary track uh there's a ton of cool stuff all waiting for you over there. We just want to get all of that ready before we got started with Chris Carter month. Uh Chris Carter
0: created the X-Files show and uh the X-Files show the uh, show. It was,
1: yeah. It's like the Muppet Show, well, yeah. but it's just it's just yeah, uh, Fox is what and we Dana call Scully.
0: the X Files show. Yeah, the Mulder and Scully there. doing a
1: whole bunch of different like no. variety show routines with celebrity guests. You know you'd watch that show. I would watch the hell out of that and, show. And, and Are you Cri-
0: kidding me? Chris Carter in one of his jauntier moods would probably stage an episode like that. Oh yeah, at least once a season he'd he'd get a wild hair and like make a comedy episode of the X Files, like a really wild and wacky I,
1: one. And those were always the fun ones because the rest of the show was so somber. Yeah. The The X-Files was a show that I think everyone still knows and remembers, but younger listeners Mm -hmm. might not remember when it was on the air now. And when The X-Files first came out in the early 1990s, it hit exactly the zeitgeist people were looking for. Mm -hmm. It was a combination of the episodic, adventure-driven, serialized shows that we had for for many decades— but it also incorporated an overarching conspiracy plot that got more interesting and more complicated and then eventually and then, too complicated and then, then eventually yeah. less interesting. But <laughs> it really, it, it made people feel like they needed to see mm-hmm. every episode. And, and the, it keyed into a lot of our anxieties about various urban legends ranging from UFOs yeah, to... It was like El Chupacabras was mm-hmm. in one episode. Government yeah. brainwashing, like all these different things that you'd read about or you'd seen in Time Life books. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, on 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 top of all of that, had a great cast. It was very well written. It was mm. a really really good show. Mm. And Chris Carter became one of the very few name brand TV producers. Yeah, that well, we have. Of,
0: like Stephen Botchko and Dick Wolf. But yeah, mm. Chris Carter was in that circle for a little bit,
1: thanks to the X Files, and almost exclusively uh, thanks mm. to the X Files. Almost all of his other shows. Mm. Did not last. Uh, uh, he, Millennium he did, lasted a few yeah. seasons, which was a show that was ostensibly about this post-apocalyptic like this apocalyptic, like well, conspiracy group, but it was mostly about right. fighting serial killers, and I never quite figured out how they combined. We
0: did an episode of, of Critically Acclaimed just recently about the, the best films of 1999, and we sort of looked back at that decade and what sort of the ethos of the 90s was. And The X-Files is right in there as well, uh, because it was post-Cold War— a lot. I feel like a lot of Americans' sort of need for uh, a, an antagonist, like a cultural antagonist,
1: was gone. Yeah, we lost the Russians. Yeah. The Russians used the, to be the bad guys in all of our movies and TV shows.
0: Yeah, and and you know this was so we we were kind of at a loss for who our cultural enemy was. Who can we rally to okay. to unify against? Essentially. Now the
1: irony, of course, is um. that. Wouldn't it be better if we didn't have one? Like, why do we do this sort yeah. of And a lot of this, I suspect, is because people writing cheap, not very interesting genre fiction it, yeah. needed, needed a, a boogeyman. A cheap boogeyman. And yeah, someone rather, who was plausible to, like, get under our skin. You rather couldn't, than, when than get re- more creative and yeah. try to
0: come up with stories that don't have that sort of boogeyman, yeah. they decided to turn the boogeyman into ourselves. Yeah, our own and, government. Yeah, our own government is now the thing that's sort of conspiring against us. So it played mm-hmm. into a lot of vague cultural fears at the time yeah same with Millennium there's like we're coming to the end of the Millennium what's gonna happen and so I wrote a show about that as well he didn't
1: really cover that though on that show it became about about a serial killer profile psychic powers and all the rest yeah it was it was an odd choice Mm -hmm. but um So, anyway, uh, to catch everybody up, I was a fan of The X-Files. I wasn't deeply in love with The X-Files. I didn't watch every single episode of The X-Files. In fact, all of my favorite X-Files episodes were the monster episodes, the ones that Mm. weren't about the conspiracy. They were the done-in-one, clever, fun, weird, spooky monsters. I
0: I liked those best as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so like it did that mostly in the early season. Then, when uh, Gillian Anderson, uh, who played Dana Scully, got pregnant, they had to write that into the show somehow. Mm-hmm. And rather than write a pregnancy into the show, they just sort of wrote her off the show. And well, if it's a a, a TV series about alien abduction, well, why don't we just have her be abducted
1: for a period?
0: Mm-hmm. And then they that, ended up writing sort of...
1: the pregnancy into the alien abduction storyline. Mm-hmm. And without going too far into it, when they finally explained all of that in a recent in the most recent. Like, revival season of the X-Files, it was fucking gross. Yeah, it was really... Well, I mean, it ended up getting really stupid, but...
0: In in doing that, they pretty much invented the big arc. Mm. That's not something they planned from the start. It was just going to be a Monster of the Week show. Right. And they had to start writing in these arcs to explain one of their main actor's absences. Well, they didn't invent that. That had been on mm. daytime television. Well, it, it had the been. Fugitive
1: had a little bit of it, that. It,
0: it, 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 it's what started it on the X-Files, True. and I think that's what popularized it in primetime genre fiction. A lot of it, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, because Julian Anderson got pregnant, now we have gigantic sci-fi arcs and TV series.
1: And it's also worth remembering that the X-Files wasn't a big hit to start with. It struggled to stay mm. on the air for a couple of seasons. and I, then, I dug it right out of the gate. Oh, a lot of people yeah. did, but like, it wasn't a hit. It wasn't a top ten in the Nielsen mm. ratings. Everyone's got to watch it. Huge cultural zeitgeist, winning a bunch of Emmys. It took them a few seasons to get there. Mm. And then once they got there, then people started really trying to rip them off really hard, and we've already reviewed at least a couple of those. We did Freaky Links. Right. That was the Blair Witch Project mm. meets X-Files show, and That was kind of fun. That was a neat one. The the more teen-oriented... It was was the the Gen X, X X-Files. Right. And Chris Carter kind of tried to ride that train, and uh, the Millennium had a very similar conspiratorial vibe. Again, that lasted a few seasons, starred Lance Hendrickson. Mm. I liked it okay. Um, But he also had at least one hugely pumped up, was considered one of the most anticipated shows of the season. Chris Carter is back with a new, ambitious sci-fi epic television series called harsh realm a world exists exactly like ours you live in this world
2: your family and friends and though you may not know it i was sent to save you
0: Harsh Realm. Harsh Realm. Harsh harsh Realm. Uh, There was this uh, funny moment on an episode of All Things Family Guy uh, where... Family Guy uh, holds the weird distinction of being canceled and then picked up again by the same network. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the only times
1: that's ever happened. And then becoming a monster success afterwards. Afterwards, And yeah. all of that so, was because people discovered Family Guy in home video, became mm-hmm. fans, and now that it was back on TV, they really did flock to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, on the first episode, uh, after their revival, uh, the main character said, oh, no, our show has been canceled. Uh, but, Fo- they had Fox had to clear off their schedule to make room for these 30 shows. Harsh Realm was right there in the middle, and they said, "Oh no, is there anything we can do?" They say, "Well, if all of those shows get canceled, then we're okay." As it turns out, all of those shows got canceled. Right. Freaky Links was also in there. Uh, Greg the Bunny, uh, Fast uh, Lane of Memories, fa- uh, 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 Firefly was Fire- on there. Andy Richter controls the universe. Like, he just there's this long litany of shows. A
1: bunch of shows we need to review. We should just mm-hmm. make. We should just do all of them and get them and, all in that one. playlist that
0: Peter Griffin mentioned in that one episode of Family Guy. It's a,
1: it's a good show. Jo- it's a good joke in a show. I have mixed feelings about, mm-hmm. but. Um yeah this was a, this was a big anticipated hit it was or it was going to be a hit that's mm-hmm. what everyone thought um and it was about virtual reality and this came on the heels of the matrix which had come out just a few months prior mm. now that's too soon a lot of people think that this was a big matrix knockoff that's too soon for them to have gotten everything have written it into production, it into production yeah. this was a case of good minds thinking alike well also and, for, and virtual reality for, yeah. was, we'd already had vr5 at right. that point um this has been touched upon in comic books and in fact harsh realm is based on a comic book mm. it's based on a comic book with a somewhat different premise The premise of the show is our hero, Lieutenant Hobbs. Get
0: it? Named after Thomas Hobbs. The second episode is called Leviathan. Get it?
1: Get it yet? Uh, played by X Files <laughs> alumni Scott mm-hmm. Uh He is a soldier who is recruited into a top secret program. He's gonna re- he's gonna leave the service soon, and they say, "Hey, before you go, we have this really complicated uh, virtual reality thing. It's a simulation. It's a it's a it's an extreme combat simulation, and we have a player who you knew, who was like one of your old commanding officers, a mm-hmm. Santiago guy, played by Terry yeah, O'Quinn O'Quin from yeah. The Stepfather and Lost." Uh, and he's in there, and he won't leave, and we gotta get him out of there, and the only way to get him out of there is to kill him in the game. So mm-hmm. we wanna send you into the game basically to beat his high it's, score. It's, it's a sci-fi apocalypse now. Yeah, that's literally all it is, yeah. yeah. Um, and so he says, sure, and so he mm-hmm. goes into the game, only to realize that he can't come out again. He, he can't come out again, and not
0: only is it more than just a battle simulator, it's like a duplicate of the entire Earth, more
1: yeah. or less. Everyone on Earth has a duplicate mm-hmm. in Harsh Realm. They all are operating off of artificial intelligence. They all have their own consciousness, and uh, yeah, the only way to, to get out is to kill Santiago. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing he can do.
2: Um, and
0: he meets other, uh, other soldiers who have been put in there. And in fact, the, the last shot of the pilot reveals that there are hundreds of people. Like Uh, hundreds and hundreds of soldiers that uh, are sort of stuck inside. Yes, they're all on gurneys. They, you know, presumably they're being fed through IVs. Little plugs inside, going straight into their temples, and they're all stuck mentally inside Harsh Ralph. Which
1: is not unlike the image of the Matrix of everyone Mm -hmm. locked into those power batteries. Mm -hmm. The original comic book, uh, which is by James D. Hutnall and Andrew Paquette which I wasn't able to track down, uh, is apparently rather different. It's more about a, a detective trying to find like a missing person who is lost inside a virtual reality simulator. And that virtual reality simulation was mm-hmm. more fantasy-oriented. It was more like being trapped in like Lord of the Rings. So Chris Carter took that and took it into a different direction. Yeah. Uh, this led to a, a legal battle over whether or not the original creators of the comic should have their names on it. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated legal battle. I don't understand all the details of it, but what it boils down to is what Chris Carter was a member of the Writers Guild mm-hmm. and as a member of the Writers Guild, he was only supposed to he was supposed to have like sole cr- like creator credit, mm-hmm. but because the guys who created the comics were not part of the Writers Guild, that deal didn't apply to them. So, so even though it was big, based
0: on their work, they don't get a created by credit. Well, I think they ultimately they cri- did. They got a credit. They the, did yeah.
1: That's the thing. I think mm-hmm. that's what happened. Okay. So that's that's but I'm not a legal expert, I don't know all the details of it. Um, so, yeah, this ended up being more of a military simulator in the world of Harsh Realm. They imagined, what if someone, uh, set off a huge catastrophic terrorist event in New York City? How would America respond? Mm. This was in 1999. This is in 1999. <laughs> and this is not the only Chris Carter mm. show with a pilot episode that eerily predicts 9-11. Mm. We will get to another one soon. Um... So I I guess Kudo's I don't know I feel like he probably should have been louder with his warnings. Well I I think well I mean this was millennial angst. There was this
0: notion that the world was coming to an end. So mm. I don't think it was necessarily, you know, predicting some cataclysmic, you know, terrorist event. I think it was about the world is coming to an end pretty soon. Mm. And, uh, what's a good way to visualize that? And it turns out it was eerily similar to something that was going to happen two years later.
1: Uh, the other thing that I think is really, this is my favorite story about Harsh Realm because mm. it has actually has nothing to do with the show, but it has to oh, do with the, the title.
0: The phrase Harsh Realm. Yeah. It was based on a hoax.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, th- here's, here's what Harsh Realm refers to. And this is, this is like the 90s of 90s thing. It's so great. So, uh, basically mm. someone from the New York Times called a, uh, a, Called a record company, saying, hey, this grunge scene is very popular. Do they have their own... Do they have their own uh, uh, lingo? Do yeah, they have their own grunge sure. speak?
0: Is there, is there a grunge patois? Yeah, there isn't.
1: No, not particularly. And so, but a woman named Megan Jasper, who was a receptionist, mm. uh Who's, just made them up on the fly. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> made I'm, I'm, up I'm, an entire like an entire vernacular. She was just
0: rolling her eyes. Oh, this stupid reporter's calling. Fine. Uh, yeah, here's here's what this means. She made up a grunge vernacular.
1: And here here are the terms that were made up oh, during the interview i have a list okay okay so so harsh realm means uh harsh realm means bummer but harsh, so like harsh, harsh realm, oh, realm man yeah i was going to go see uh, nirvana and pearl jam last night in seattle but they canceled i was in a harsh realm harsh realm man uh drunk <laughs> that's, that's not bad actually no, harsh not, realm okay drunk mm-hmm. bloated or if you're particularly drunk a big bla- a big bag of bloatation Bi- <laughs>
0: god <Yeah. laughs> Man, I got a big bag of bloodation right now.
1: All right, the the No, uh, that one doesn't work. I'm the sorry. grunge speak for staying home on a Friday or Saturday night. Uh-huh. Bound and hagged. I can see that happening.
0: But yeah. it's it's kind of sexist, but I could see it happening.
1: Uh, loser, this one's offensive. A mm. uh, cobnobbler. Okay. That's very offensive. Mm. We're not gonna we don't approve. Uh, a desirable guy, mm. a dish. That's well, actually d- a, real a, yeah, that's like, a real one. Dish so a thing. That's a real one. I don't well, know about a that. Dish
0: usually, yeah, like a, a a man or a woman who is just physically attractive. You call him a dish.
1: Yeah. Uh, fuzz referred to heavy wool sweaters because they're in Seattle. <laughs> nice no, fuzz. Nice. Oh god, <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, heavy boots were referred to as kickers. All right, that makes sense. Uh, an uncle just, kick, just kickers, not. Yeah. Here's one I like. Well, I've heard kicks to refer to sneakers before. Here's one I like. Uh, Uncool person. Mm-hmm. Then The word is lame stain. Lame.
0: <laughs> you know, the, like somebody looked these up and wrote them into, we got to look around like other 90s shows and keep an ear out. Oh yeah. Cause these are or, or, like early 2000s. I feel like you Marvel and, UK yeah.
1: used some of these. In oh, you comics. bet. in like wild thing or the comics. Nobody remembers. Exactly. Platform shoes, plats. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, a happy goodbye would be rock on.
0: That that was used though. Rock yeah, on. Yeah, I don't used. know. If,
1: I don't know if it's grungy, wait, but
0: po- wait. Why are we? Why, if you're into the grunge scene, why are you talking about platform shoes? Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> should have been a should have mm. been a red flag. Mm. Uh, we got a few more. Uh, great would be score. Score I'm that sure. actually took on. That took yeah, that, yeah, that, that 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 on. on. Uh, hanging out. Mm. Swinging on the flippity flap. Mm. <laughs>
0: My goal is to start using these before the end of next year. Uncool <laughs>
1: <You're> Outsiders. Old... <laughs> into my, my colloquialism. Here's one that hurts my feelings. Mm. Uncool Outsiders. Tom mm-hmm. Tom Club. Uh, what's wrong with the Tom Tom Club? The Tom Tom Club was cool. It was well, a side project of all those guys in Talking Heads. Yeah, what are but... you going to do when you get out of jail? I'm going to have some fun. That's not I, uncool. I, That's really cool. I, I think... You know, if you're into the grunge scene, you're probably not
0: into anything even remotely connected to the new wave. Oh, well, screw and, you then. And the Talking Heads, technically a new wave band, right? Mm. Call yeah, I'd say it's the new wave. wave. Yeah, the new wave.
2: Right.
1: Uh, and then lastly, uh, the vernacular for old ripped jeans mm-hmm. Wax Slacks. Wax Slacks. God, a wax Slacks. Got on my wax slack. I have a
0: few pairs of jeans with rips in the knees. I'm going to start calling them my wax slacks. Nice. <laughs> So, uh, so Harsh Realm was... uh, uh, was... Harsh harsh Realm was a Harsh Realm. (laughs) Uh, Uh... To employ this fake vernacular that some receptionist uh, just made
1: up. I want to start using this as, dude, you're harshing my realm. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am in a harsh realm right now. Um, uh, the show aired on Fox, mm. because they had a good uh, good arrangement with Chris Carter. aired on Fox from October 8th, 1999, all the way to October 22nd, 1999. Mm-hmm. The remainder of the shows uh, were aired on mm-hmm. the FX channel the next year, from April 14th, 2000, mm-hmm. through May 19th. Two thousand. So this sucker got three episodes. Like this is this huge ambitious thing. Right, th- three, it aired three shots. It got three tries. Well, it got well, it got two tries, two All different right. networks. But like only three episodes on Fox, mm. where Fox was just like, screw it, it's not worth it. Uh, it aired uh, opposite Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, and Now and Again, and Major League Baseball, which didn't help. Uh, it mm. aired right after a show that got significantly larger ratings than the pilot of Harsh Realm. Shocking behavior caught on tape, too. Oh, no. From the okay, darkest no. era of Fox, the network, not news. We're still uh, living in the darkest <laughs> era of Fox yeah, news. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. The Fox um, network used to do shit like this all the time.
0: There, there was even a joke about it in an episode of The X-Files where um, Mulder and Scully were separated. Oh, yeah. And one of the running gags was that uh, Fox Mulder was a pornography enthusiast. Like, like, like he'd, he'd watch porn at work, you know, that just that that's what he did in his spare time. And rather inappropriate. And uh, there was one episode where uh, he was we could see his face and then we could just like hear the TV he was listening to. And there was like a lot of screening, and screaming and moaning. <laughs> and and uh, Scully called and uh, he didn't turn it off so she could hear what was going on on the TV. It's like, hello, Scully, what's going on? She she asked, what is that you're watching? He said, oh, it's Fox's World's Deadliest Swarms. (laughs) And they cut to the TV, and it was people screaming as they were getting eaten by bees. (laughs) World's deadliest swarms. They also had that alien autopsy video, which is pretty
1: cool. They had, like, world's deadliest crashes. Uh, We Mm. had uh, some – we used to have in my film school, we had a seminar class Mm. where every week an alumni who eventually ended up working in the industry uh, would come in and talk about their job. And they tried to bring in people from all walks of life just so that all of these young upstarts who Mm. think that the only jobs there are is director or writer or producer – Realize that there's a ton of different places you can go, and that maybe you know you might want to adjust mm-hmm. your expectations or be exposed to different ideas where your career can be. And there was someone who was an editor whose bread and butter was editing those videos, Which those is, shocking events videos,
0: that's, and that's that's hard editing work. And oh, it's really uh, hard. yeah, it's, it's and a the thing, good,
1: h- good utilitarian job. And the thing that editor told us. Which was really disturbing. It's like if you ever watch like when animals attack or deadliest car chases, if they don't tell you the person in that attack or that car chase was fine, Mm. they weren't. (laughs) <laughs> you probably just watched them die. Like wow. that was the really it's like f- faces of death with the worst part cut off and on primetime television. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, holy cow. So like, this was this really cynical, ugly period for Fox. Mm. <laughs> like Fox was just this really, just really low pandering for a really long time. Well, I mean,
0: they, they had a reputation for catering to the, the lowest common denominator. Yeah. I, I think married with children, uh, the kind of cemented that the sort of yeah. l- married with children I think was supposed to be satire, but audiences didn't seem to like latch onto that part after a while.
1: No, they just liked it unironically. Yeah, they just yeah.
0: Li- liked the the piggishness and the misogyny and the, the the
1: darkness of it. They thought it was funny for the sake of it. I I don't want to revisit that show. No, I can't imagine no, no, with no, my no. with our current sensibilities that show would be. I'm sure there's a funny joke here or there, well, the, the, but the, like it's the, it was supposed to be offensive and and people.
0: I think they weren't offended. They thought it was. O- that's what was okay about it, that it was yeah, being offensive, not that, that it was kind
1: of sending up sitcom tropes. Um, so Harshilm entered into that, and mm. uh, yeah, it just... There's a lot of reasons why I think it didn't find an audience. Uh, it's confusingly presented. Mm. There's a certain well, monotonous the, look and style to it. The, the I think the big...
0: Uh, kind of strike against it is that the characters aren't that interesting. No. You, you look at Mulder and Scully, they're FBI agents, that's an interesting job, mm. and they have very clear-cut personalities. One One's a skeptic, one's a believer, one's really enthused, one's really cautious, and they play off of each other very well. Yeah. And in this one, it's just a one hand. Well, I guess it's kind of a two-hander, because there's Thomas Hobbes and there's Pinocchio, played by D.B. Sweeney, mm-hmm. and... Pinocchio is sort of like the, the hothead. He's, he's really uh, angry and he's been in harsh realm for a little while, so he knows the rules. He's the one who's sort of guiding uh, Thomas Hobbes through, whereas Thomas Hobbes is sort of the newbie, he's the everyman. Mm-hmm. The problem is they're both soldiers, and they have really similar approaches to looking at the world.
1: Yeah, like, like Pinocchio is a little bit more pessimistic, but mm-hmm. really, that's about it. They don't play off each other very well. There is a third lead, besides the villain, Terry O'Quinn, oh, who's and, in almost every episode. Yeah. And then there's the, in the real world. No, no, not even that. There are other person who's with oh, well, them okay. on their journey. Florence, played by oh, Rachel right. Rayward.
0: Who doesn't have any speaking lines. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, like... And we find out that this this one character that they're with, Florence, uh, is she's. Uh, She's also a badass. Mm. She can fight with the best of them. Uh, It turns out she also has magic healing powers because she's from Mm. this like kind of cult that has figured out stuff about Harsh Realm and uh, that she was expunged from her from her society because she wanted to actually fight as opposed to mm. just stay out of all conflict. So you have this like really interesting, highly motivated, super powerful woman on a mission. And you don't give her any lines, and you make her, like, the fourth lead mm. behind two guys. Two boring who, guys. Who are really boring. I like D.B. Sweeney as an actor quite a bit, actually, mm. but he's got nothing to work with here. Mm. Terry O'Quinn is just playing up the bad guy shtick. He can do it in his sleep. And Scott Berstow, he has, again, nothing to work he, with. He, he's he's trying to get was, home. Uh, That's it. That's all he's got. He who, doesn't have personality. Who, who's the guy from Avatar? I always forget his name. Sam
0: Worthington? Yeah, Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. Yeah. The, 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 like, most charisma-free actor working... Look, maybe look. Maybe he's capable of something interesting and
1: textured. I've seen. I he, haven't seen it yet. He's though. good in that killer crocodile movie, Rogue. Okay, I didn't see Rogue because he's but not saw, playing the dashing hero type. He's um, one of those guys who Hollywood wants to make him the dashing hero type. Hmm. He's a little more interesting than that.
0: Yeah. Like, so you put him so, in Clash of the Titans, he's boring. Yeah. So i Clash of the Titans, Avatar, and he was in one other. Wrath um, of
1: the Titans. Wrath of the Titans, <laughs> and he was.
0: He was in the the fourth Terminator film as well. Oh, that's right. He wasn't. And and yeah, and he plays the same kind of boring hero type in all of those. And so as. I, I don't latch onto this guy as a performer yet. Maybe mm-hmm. he'll maybe he'll impress me. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he'll one win several Oscars. Who's to say? Yeah. But when I talk about bland jarheads in the lead of your movie, I think immediately of Sam Worthington and that's what this guy has. No charisma. He has
1: a mission but Everyone has that mission. It's well, not, like, unique to him. That's true. And he's got, like, he, his approach isn't particularly different. He's yeah. a little hopeful because he's trying to get back to his wife, played by the great Samantha Mathis, mm-hmm. who isn't in the show nearly enough. She's in, like, maybe four of the nine episodes? Something like yeah. that. She's she's persistent. Like, they were going to keep cutting back to her. She's, mm-hmm. like, looking for her husband, trying to find out what happened to him. And they can
0: convert... Her fiance, I guess. They can... But. Not not converse directly, but there's sort of a dialogue going back and forth in the show in letters they're
1: writing to they one another. They have an intermediary. There mm-hmm. is someone who is going back and forth between the real world and Harsh Realm who is responsible for possibly some sort of conspiratorial thing going on with Santiago. Because Santiago mm-hmm. apparently can also go back and forth from the real world and Harsh Realm. And apparently, as we learn over the series... His plan is to destroy the real world so that only Harsh Realm exists mm. and then become the ruler of Harsh Realm. Which would be easier than the real world, I guess. I, I yeah. guess it would. I don't know why mm. you can't just stay in Harsh Realm. Yeah,
0: What? What, what, is, what is...
1: I also don't know why the... And it raises all these questions. So, like, okay, so this guy is taking over Harsh Realm. Why do we need Harsh Realm? Why can't you just turn Harsh Realm off? And w- where is it stored?
0: It's not, yeah. like, it's... Everybody, like, we, these days we talk about, like, saving things in the cloud, and that evokes, like, your your signal is just sort of going up into the sky and staying there. It's going to a database. There's, like, yeah. a physical computer somewhere. Yes, it is. There's where this that huge, thing is being
1: stored. Huge so, bank of computers. That's where yeah, it all is. It's in a trailer in New Mexico. Who knows? But <laughs> Actually, there are people who know. But, yeah, you well, can I mean, find yeah. it out. But, like, yeah, the, there, it's all got to be stored somewhere. And, so and where yeah, is that? The
0: actual physical computers where Harsh Realm is kept, that's never seen. Is that what happened?
1: Did Santiago steal the computer? Computers, like or, how do we get in yeah, there? He, he did that. He just like, he, he locked the door. That's all that's going on. I have a feeling that they were going to reveal more about a lot of the stuff. Why does it matter? Why do we care? What's the impact on the real world? Mm. Um, but they don't set up the stakes early enough that we get invested. What the one? But there are little tidbits here and there. For example, uh, when. Our hero meets Samantha Mathis's, they call them VC, the virtual characters, mm-hmm. but in modern are, in be, modern video game speak, they'd be NPC, NPC right. non-player characters. There's actually a lot, I want to talk about it in a little bit, but there's actually a lot of stuff in Harsh Realm that kind of predates what we would come to know as like, MMORPGs. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff already existed with Ultima, but like, there's even more now that they could probably do oh, if they rebooted it. I haven't it. heard
0: the, the word Ultima in a while.
1: But uh, yeah, no, so... Uh, he meets the virtual character of his fiance slash wife. Mm. And mm. she doesn't know him because she there's that's when the nuclear bomb went off, Harsh Realm split. So it's no longer following reality. Mm. Um and, and she did, doesn't so she doesn't know him, mm. they didn't meet. And, and, and but what and she to, does say is mm. that he does seem to confirm something she heard. There is some underground or religion mm-hmm. or cult or urban legend that we are all living in a virtual reality simulation. Okay. So some people know and some people don't, apparently.
0: Well, but uh, do the people, do the NPCs in Harsh Realm, are they conscious? That's the question. Yeah, and I think and,
1: we're supposed to think that they
0: are. We're supposed which to, would make turning yeah. off Harsh
1: Realm an act of evil. It would Well, it would make a genocide if you exactly. created all these conscious beings. Well, they do this in the very last episode. We actually have a flashback mm-hmm. to the first six hours of Harsh Realm. They even have like a little voiceover about it. Right. They talk about how when Harsh Realm was created, it was an exact copy mm-hmm. of reality. Every single human being, at least in America, they talk about how they went off of the census. Mm-hmm. Um and then for 6 hours it was both realities were exactly the same until the programmers put in a nuclear bomb mm-hmm. and so what you what that means is that those people are all real they're mm-hmm. virtual but they're real and killing mm-hmm. them would indeed be evil it reminds me of that movie source code Mm. Uh, Really good movie. I like this movie way more than most other people, but (laughs) it's... uh, uh, It doesn't
0: hold up to any kind of scrutiny. But But I
1: think think thematically it works. I think Mm -hmm. it's one of those sci-fi films that makes a point so that the Mm -hmm. actual nuts and bolts don't. But the idea is there was a tragedy that occurred. There was a bomb that exploded on Mm -hmm. a train. And Jake Gyllenhaal plays a guy who keeps uh, getting sent back to relive... The moments preceding the explosion, mm. which had been like r- super accurately created via virtual reality, yeah. And uh, the whole thing is, he has to try to figure out who did it, where it is, so that they can catch the guy. Mm. But he keeps thinking he can save everybody. And everyone keeps telling yeah, him, no, you can't. It's he, it's all a simulation. He's, he's, he's
0: going a little nuts and thinks he can like
1: change the outcome. And... and and without giving away the whole movie, what I will say is what the film is ultimately about is how people, the government, the news, people, reading, whatever, they have a tendency to turn people into statistics mm. and ignore the fact that they're all human beings and Jake Gyllenhaal's character refuses to treat them any other way. Mm. And that's where the... The conflict emerges because he refuses to think that they're fake. They're already
0: dead, but the simulation is so accurate that he he has no choice but to react to them as if they're real.
1: Yeah, because they were Mm. real and Mm. that matters. So, like, you know, you read all those numbers of all the people who died in these tragic events. Every single one of them is a real person and he's advocating for that. Mm. And they made a pretty good movie about it, I think. And I think Harsh Realm evokes... Those kinds of questions, but I'm sure partially because we never got very far into it. But frankly, I think they should have way earlier. We never we never deal with it.
0: They should have in the first scene. This is 1999. This Mm. is late in the game for stories about virtual reality. I mean, even the Matrix Mm. was kind of past the curve a little bit. Yeah. And that's not about, like, playing a virtual reality game. That's about... Living like, in a virtual simulation. Yeah, it's like living in a... Sim- which is a little bit of a different animal, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, Harlan but Ellison even then, had
1: done um, I Have No Mouth Yet, I Must Scream. Yeah. He did that, like, decades well, earlier. Well, I mean, even, yeah. even
0: Fangoria put out a film called... Was it Brain Warp? Which was about these people who were living in virtual reality and about wow. a young young woman who, like, broke out and moved to the surface of the earth where Bruce Campbell was fighting mutants. Wow, way to
1: bring up Brain Warp. Yeah, Brain I'm Warp's, Brain Warp's a pretty good movie. Yeah, but it, it had been dealt with in fiction, but it was considered, mm. I think, by a lot of people a little complicated to film until... Mm later on when visual effects got a little bit better but we had other stuff as well avalon came out around that time no
0: well there was you know the lawnmower man in the early 90s oh. there, there was this whole this whole way virtuosity in 95 <laughs> same guy brett leonard yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he did a thing both of those movies uh he, he also did a, a siegfried and roy movie i got to meet him once
1: oh i got to meet him too yeah he yeah. Came,
0: came by the movie theater where i was working yeah. uh, giant guy with long hippie hair it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, by 99, it's like all of these questions had been brought up and kind of dealt with on science fiction for many years at this point. So you would think that Harsh Realm would start from with those questions. Mm-hmm. Like, are, how real is this? Are there any moral obligations? Did we create consciousness? If we did, then we need to be cautious. If we didn't, then we don't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, at least to set stakes. At least to make it yeah, matter. Because yeah, yeah.
1: we spend ninety eight percent of this show in harsh realm. Yeah, all all episodes combined. Yeah, like, or, there's a few uh, there's a few scenes with Samantha Mathis in future episodes. There's a prologue, mm-hmm. but the vast majority is in harsh realm. Or, or, what, or, or tell or, us why I should care when non-player characters die.
0: Yeah, you have and to and tell us. I, I had trouble sympathizing with the non-player characters because in my mind they were just simulations. I didn't think they had consciousness.
1: And they didn't really start selling the idea that they did until mm. later on in the last couple of episodes. And, and by then you've w- lost us a long time ago. Mm. That's a danger of doing a, a story like this. You yeah, need to make sure you set those stakes I also, right away. I also need, and I, I, I hate to be this guy,
0: but I needed something a little bit more concrete. You know, we talked about the database where it is. What kind of processing power would it take to they
1: don't want to answer that
0: no they don't but you know what how are they taking care of this clearly massive structure they've created at the very least an exact replica of the entire united states right Mm -hmm. it could be
1: in the entire planet for all we know Mm -hmm. the implication is the entire united states the computer they they get from the mm, east coast to cincinnati that's as far as the
0: computer would need to be as large as uh, like a state it would be a huge. let say at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this like, is the late nineties. So even now, it would have to be a massive how, computer. However,
1: system. it might be one of those things how do where. They, the, how do
0: they cool it? What are the you know the actual practical implications of creating something like this? How are people taking care of it? What are the stakes for them?
1: I don't think <laughs> a lot of the people. I, what happens is when you're telling when you're telling a sci-fi story based on real science, mm-hmm. at some point you have to fudge it, otherwise that your fake science. Would be reality. Mm. You know, if it if it may, if it worked, it would actually work. Uh, so a little, uh, I, just I, a little
0: nod to real science would have been nice in this fake science. That way, we wouldn't be lost in the
1: harsh realm. Yeah,
0: dealing with a universe that doesn't have very clear stakes. Well, and does am just gonna, have much of a, a bedrock.
1: I'm just going to throw it out there. I think it was low on the list of priorities because mm. I think the choice that they made. Mm to make this show accessible it wasn't to set stakes, wasn't to make you really care about the characters, it was to make it badass. Man. Because what this show is, a lot way of it, said it that way too, that's the only that? way to say it. There, that's that's actually in the dictionary. You have to say it with that inflection. Badass. Yeah, with because, like extra A's and S's. Because it's, about, it's a bunch of soldiers
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, who do a whole bunch of tough guy soldier shit in every episode. Now, I got nothing against soldiers. I got nothing against movies about soldiers and mm-hmm. TV shows about soldiers. But... When you confuse their badass for characterization and, when, and rooting interest, you're you're messing up. And there's a really telling thing that I found on the Wikipedia page, as okay. I was just you know just sort of giving an overview, trying to remember who's who. Oh, uh-huh. uh, you know, on the Wikipedia page, they'll list like you know titles of episodes and characters. Mm. Every character is accompanied, like every character description uh-huh. is accompanied by what guns they use. Oh gosh So for example Tom Hobbs uh-huh. The last couple of sentences In his character description His name is a reference To 17th century English philosopher no, Thomas Hobbes. Uh-huh. Hobbs used a Heckler and Coke P7 pistol In the pilot episode Before moving on To the Sig Sauer P226 In episodes 2, 3, and 4 And then a Walther P99 For the remainder of the series He so, also used a Beretta M93R In episode 7 hmm. Mike Pinocchio He They're, drives oh a modified gosh. 1972 Chevrolet Chevelle And he has a Heckler and Coke MP5K PDW like but, yeah, it's, that, that everyone has their gun is
0: their gun. And, um, well, I mean, that, that's, that's part of military training is you, sure. you're kind of trying to tamp down your idiosyncrasies and becoming part of the unit yep. because you're defending your unit. And that's, that's what, you know. Basic training is not just training. You're not just learning how to use the guns and all of the technicals, but mm-hmm. you're kind of. Tr- they're trying to sort of force you into that headspace as well, well. That's what, that's what, what, what the opening full metal, full metal jacket, jacket is all about. Just about to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: that's what the opening of full metal jacket is. It's about kind of, all your individuality. Yeah, that's great in the real world. Now we need everyone to be fighting unit and mm. working and thinking as one. Yeah, so, so all of your jokes are useless, and we need to shut sure, you the hell go- up. We're
0: going to uh, use abusive motivation to make sure your your personality is gone and. Mm-hmm. It's, your stories about soldiers are only interesting when they break out of that again when they're sort of functioning as a unit they're just the mission Cause I, don't, I don't agree with that. Well, in, in most stories I've seen about a unit of soldiers, think of something like 13 Hours, the Michael Bay movie. Okay. That's about the unit, it's about them moving together, and it's about the mission. I don't remember
1: any particular characters out of that. Well, I, I think, okay, well, first of all, I don't think that's a particularly good example. I hmm. actually think that movie is okay, but that's it, not a good example. Yeah. I think what happens is you find out you, after you go through all the training, it's like any sort of training where hmm. you learn something until it becomes second nature. And then you can ease off a little bit. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you really intensely learn to play piano until you can sight read and then you don't have to think about it so hard. And then Mm -hmm. you can talk while you're playing. Right. And I think that's what happens in a lot of stories about soldiers where you'll have those, you know, becoming part of the unit, you Mm -hmm. know, losing a little bit of individuality in order to make the whole better. I'm not saying that cynically, that's just how it works. And, um, and then people still have vestiges of the personality. The person who lost their personality from All jacket was, Mm -hmm gomer pile yeah <laughs> it was that was a tragedy mm-hmm. but in the second half full metal jacket you see the personalities are still there they're just yeah, also yeah. part of a fighting stuff. exactly so like that's but the, when
0: when their personalities come back that's when they become more interesting characters but i, I don't, don't think, think that means ha- that I they're think... not
1: part of that group though i think yeah. that's what i disagree with oh, okay well my, that's what i disagree
0: with. My, the point i'm getting at here is that in harsh realm we never see their apart from uh, pinocchio's cynicism mm. we don't really see too many personalities emerge from these soldiers yeah they're still just in soldier mode and that makes them less interesting
1: to watch. One of the things that happens early, and we'll talk about this episode by episode in a minute, mm. but one of the things that happens early on in Harsh Realm is that uh, our hero, Hobbes, gets his dog. Mm. He finds a dog, right, he keeps right, the dog. Right. It's a, it's a, it's an adorable, like, uh, Fraser Jack Russell Terrier. And he keeps a dog with him. But for a bit, that's actually kind of humanizing that he cares enough about this virtual character. Like that, this and virtual that shows dog, you that yeah. he hasn't, like... Given up on reality that he cares about things. Wouldn't it be cool if it was like a CGI dog, like
0: but like nineteen nineties no. polygon looking dog? No, yeah, no, no, it wouldn't. Um,
1: <laughs> My show would have failed even harder. <laughs> that's harsher, but <laughs> uh, a harsher realm. But uh, I just realized, hmm. did they just forget about that dog after a while? Yeah, I don't remember the fate of the dog. The dog just isn't there for mm-hmm. the back half of the of the of the series. I don't remember the dog dying or being given to somebody. I think they just forgot they had the dog the, the after dog, a while. The dog
0: was just written out. Yeah. <laughs> same, same with poor Samantha Mathis' character. She was oh, just written
1: out. Yeah, totally. No, nobody
0: cared about these characters.
1: Um, okay, so the first episode of Harsh Realm yeah. uh, is... It's just, called, it's it's just pilot. It sets all that up. It's, yeah, it sets the all that up. We, we meet everybody. Um, the, there's, a, there's, a, there's a cameo by Gillian Anderson. As a voice. As as like the tutorial speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And Lance Henriksen plays the general who assigns Hobbs. And I kind of thought he'd be like important later. Maybe he would be. No, it was just Millennium was on at the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a little cameo. The
0: Chris
1: Chris Carter stable. Um, But yeah, he tries to get Santiago. He doesn't successfully get Santiago. There's a guy he saved. uh, uh, They were in Sarajevo together and he saved them from... Uh, certain death, and now they're both in there together. But his old friend is now working for the bad guy. His mm-hmm. name is Waters. He's played by um, Max something. Max Martini. You uh, may remember oh, as you may remember from the Pacific Rim movies. Um, so he's not very interesting. In Harsh Realm, the one thing that I wish they dealt with more in Harsh Realm, mm-hmm. Hobbs's friend Waters, Max Martini's character, is married to Hobbs's wife. In the real world, she's married to the other guy. Boy, <laughs> they could have done something with that, and instead, in the pilot, they kill off her harsh realm virtual character. Yeah. Now, my wife and I are watching this, and we're just like, "Well, she'll just respawn." Yeah. <laughs> like well, something it, or, can't they make more of those? And it turns out, no, it's not built that way, and everyone only has one life, which is well, seems like a bad idea. It, but it would
0: have been a more interesting wrinkle. Like we, even if they don't, the virtual characters don't have. Consciousness. Yeah, wouldn't it be kind of neat if they respawn, but like now they're
1: like glitchier. Mm-hmm. Or like are there the, play, are there different characters? Like, oh, you yeah, just they, they see see her face on like a hot dog vendor somewhere. Oh, there you go. You know, like that would be that. Because the thing is, is that you use special effects to
0: superimpose her her face onto well, like a, a, a male body.
1: If if Harsh went online in like 1995, I think is what they said. Mm. How do they know what everyone was going to look like in 10 years? <laughs> like how do they know? How do they know what the kids are going to grow up mm. to look like? How do they know what haircut Samantha Mathis is going to have? How do they know that shit? Again, Tell me a little bit more about how this works. Tell me, did they spawn all the animals and what? Because he has his dog in there. Just one one what? scene of exposition. That's all I want. Did they? That's all did I they? S- did they scan viruses? Like, what are they? If someone gets a cold in Harsh Realm, do mm-hmm. they scan that virus? Like, how do you do this? It's mm. weird and confusing. So the first episode, he doesn't get Santiago, and he never Ooh. will. You
0: know what happened? You kill somebody, and then there's like a, p- a plate of meat where they used to be, mm. and you, you pick it up and you eat it, and you get your energy back.
1: Nice.
0: Corpses, or like in Scott Pilgrim, the corpses turn into coins. Uh, all, uh, episode two,
1: Leviathan. <laughs> uh, get,
0: get the Thomas Hobbes reference yet?
1: Yes. <laughs> God. Episode two, they're uh, captured by a bounty hunter who mm-hmm. wants to sell them to Santiago, mm-hmm. and it does not work. And that's that. That's the whole, that is episode two of your incredibly ambitious, like even just now talking about it, it Mm. raises all kinds of interesting questions that I would love to hear Mm. answered. I would love to know that you have answers to all this stuff. And instead of dealing with any of the really cool stuff, Mm. they spend half the episode in a basement. Like, I don't well, uh, care. Here, here's, here's what
0: I think was going on with Harsh Realm. Chris Carter didn't grow up playing video games. He, he was probably too, too old when the Nintendo hit, and uh-huh. you know, it was marketed for kids. He didn't have, like, Ataris or anything. Yeah. And... At some point during the production of the X-Files, maybe some like PAs were bringing video games on set and he tried them out for the first time and he figured this is really hip. This is really neat. I'm going to explore this idea, not really knowing how video games work or what they're about. Okay. So this well, is like kind of a half-baked, explore, half-baked exploration of sort of video game culture from an outsider's
1: perspective. Well, what's really weird mm. is... Uh... William Gibson, who okay. helped invent cyberpunk, mm-hmm. as we know it. Uh, he wrote a couple episodes of The X-Files. One of them came out in 2000, mm-hmm. called First Person Shooter, in which oh, uh, yeah, Mulder that's, and Scully that's one gets... one of the worst stu- episodes, oh, yeah. it's embarrassing <laughs> how little they mm. how little they know or care about not just gamer culture but just the way the video games function mm. and they don't see it as something that's important to get right they see it as an excuse to do weird silly things and that's not the end of the world it was frustrating as a gamer because they're getting the lingo wrong well yeah. not just they're getting the lingo wrong they're just sort of disrespecting the pastime Mm. You know, it would be like if the X Files did a baseball episode, but they got all the rules of baseball wrong. Like, mm. how hard would it be? <laughs> I watch baseball. I want baseball mm. to be portrayed somewhat accurately. Mm. Why are you going out of your way not to Look, show this accurately? They're,
0: they're on a deadline. None of the writers played games. They just they did the best they could. No, they the did the not li- do the best knowledge they, could. they had. They did
1: not. They could have asked their teenage kids. <laughs> but uh, and, and that's something with Harsh Realm, where there's a lot of things that like there's a thing about there are glitches in the game where mm. you can like. Teleport, from, yeah. I, 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 but I kept thinking, like, as I'm watching this, like, God, I wish they'd do this today. Because mm. today, now that everyone's a little bit more familiar with these types of games and they've expanded and gotten mm. bigger and more complicated, there's a lot more to do. Like, Well, they did. It was called Ready Player One. Okay, well, that sucked. So <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a show. I think as a show, you could actually okay. work with this because especially if you establish early on that the NPC characters are real, mm. that they're real consciousness, that they're, they matter. they mm. Then you have all of these weird you know, manifestations of gameplay mechanics that, that would, um, would apply become, to
0: real consciousness. Would, yeah.
1: yeah, and they would be kind of odd and strange, like checkpoint systems, or when you die, you respawn in a graveyard and mm-hmm. you have to find your corpse. There was a thing where, uh, like, there was a trading system where someone would, like kill someone and like we'll rummage through their stuff and i'm like oh do they have any rare items <laughs> like i want to see that or like there's a florence has the power to heal people and i just like oh she's gonna refill their meter with green right <laughs> it's like oh you got a blue too here's a pack like it's like if somebody's got a bullet wound and
0: you hear what's that beeping noise
1: i don't know it's just whenever i get injured i hear a beeping noise like i want to see the dialogue trees available for all the people like that oh. they run into or, or they, the mini they, quests which we do actually run into a little bit
0: they kind of did this and uh, this is another uh virtual Reality-based. It's even a game film uh, by somebody who was interested in games but didn't play them. But he got that got it even better, and that was *Existence* by David Cronenberg. Oh, yeah. yeah, and That's they a they, really good they, movie. they go in, and you can tell when it's a a, a virtual character because. They behave a little weird and they have a really bad accent. That's one of the the hints that they give you throughout the movie. Yeah. It's like my name's Darcy Nader. That's a terrible Scots accent. He's fake. I got it. That's why the <laughs> accent is fake. And when you don't interact with them right, they they just sort of start like nodding their heads and kind of staring off into the middle distance cuz you're not interacting with the game character. So there's weird peculiarities that they're dealing with in Existence. Right. Nothing like that in Harsh Realm. Same here about Harsh Realm, by the
1: way. Um, Okay, so the next episode is Inga Fossa, And here we meet a new character who uh, is indeed going back and forth between Harsh Realm. She's interacting more with Samantha Mathis and she Mm. agrees to be a go-between between Samantha Mathis and her husband. That never goes anywhere. We just see him writing and, letters to her, but well, they, they never like they write. They letters. never contribute information to each other. Uh, like yeah, and
0: they write letters. What is she going to do with those letters? She can't take things out of harsh realm or into harsh. I guess realm. she I could guess she memorize could take, them. I like, guess she could take things into harsh realm, like have it scanned and then a virtual version would appear. I feel like
1: I feel like she could probably memorize a letter. Yeah, like, like if, if they
0: had like a, a 3D printer or like a, a, yeah. a replicator or something, then maybe she could. Again, show me more. Show me where yeah. the tech. How does this, how is this working?
1: Uh, and in this episode. Uh, this is the episode where it looks like uh, Hobbs might be able to get out of Harsh Realm, but in order, if he leaves Harsh Realm, he finds out that there would be real consequences for the real world because Santiago wants to destroy the real world in favor of Harsh Realm, so he yeah. has to stay in Harsh Realm in mm. order to save his wife. Again, something you probably should have done in the pilot, so that we set up stakes. Mm. Stakes really do matter, especially when you get really creative with the premise, and we can't like latch onto something real and human. Uh, And that is it for the episodes that aired on Fox. Now, the whole series is available on DVD. Uh Oh. And uh, here we go with episode four. Uh, this is actually one the, of the more interesting episodes of the World it's, War II episode.
0: It's, it's uh, well, it's, it works because it's a bottle story. And like, it's a video game story. And, yeah, and it's actually evocative of video games. So they wander into
1: essentially a World War II scenario. Mm-hmm. And like a mini game. A, a, yeah, a little mini game within
0: the game. And the game is Take the Bridge. Yeah, there's and, an
1: actual conflict from World War II in mm-hmm. which the Allies and the Nazis are both trying to take a bridge. It lasted like a month. Mm-hmm. And this one guy who's like found his way into harsh realm is has stuck been st- in that game. He for- can't get out cause he can't beat it. Mm-hmm. And he's been in there so long. He knows all the lines of dialogue. It's like Groundhog day. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's,
0: he's played it too much and he can't beat it.
1: And uh, so when Pinocchio and Hobbs end up in the simulation, they're like, well, we've just been added to the simulation. We're these new X-Factors. Mm. Let's beat it and find the portal out of here. And so they try to blow up the bridge. Mm. They end up jumping off the bridge. And, and it turns out, yeah, resets every month. So the, And the poor
0: player's stuck in there and he just groundhog days it again.
1: And I liked that there were not, there were not one, but two, like mm. real people, real soldiers who were strapped into Harsh Realm. Like living out the scenario, one on the Nazi side and one on the Allied side, and they'd never met each other because they never crossed the bridge, <laughs> and they've both kind of made peace with what they're doing. Yeah. So um,
0: th- this is the premise of the show. You got soldier characters. It's a, a war game scenario. Have more of that.
1: Yeah, they really this, this should is have.
0: The, oh, This is the only episode that
1: worked for me. Like, I, I, And it wasn't even all that interesting, but at least it worked. I feel like they should have made... I, I'm normally not a big fan of switching the order of episodes. Mm. This should have been episode two. Yeah, for sure. This should have been... This, this is telling the audience, after the pilot, which... Mixed bag, but has promise. I was with it in the pilot. Mm. I was like, okay, there's places you, you can go here. You set up interesting stuff. I like some of the cast, at least in principle. Mm. So where are you going to go? And then they went in the most boring place imaginable. Yeah. Then they went in the most boring place imaginable again. And only in episode four, the one after they were on Fox, did they do something interesting. And this episode mm. is fine. It's this fine. episode's Here's, pretty good.
0: You know, it, it occurs to me that, you know, when... The Chris Carter shows were all shot in Canada, and they were Mm -hmm. shot in a a particularly foggy portion of Canada, because Mm -hmm. I I guess Chris Carter liked that overcast look. And Mm -hmm. the music was all by Mark Snow on all of these shows. It was all very... Uh, funereal and very downbeat. And, I like
1: uh, the one bit in Harsh Realm. They only mm. really do it in the pilot, where like it's like the game engine runs too slow and the music goes. Meow. Yeah,
0: yeah. I That's wish they the, stuck think with they did it that. a couple times. Didn't nah, they?
1: Not really. They kind of, oh, okay. they kind of, that kind of died out after a while. Mm. It was like the one interesting thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, Chris Carter likes that look, and it works for something like the X Files because you're kind of investigating shadowy areas. Mm. It Works for Millennium because there's just doom hanging over you all the time. If you're in a computer simulation, you'd think they'd want to style it up a little bit, like, like in VR five, whenever they go into virtual reality, everything's like wild and colorful and strange. And it's very clearly not reality. Um, I would have made even, it, or at least in, even, even
1: if it was just accurate to reality, in that would Even Generation
0: fine. X, the Generation <laughs> X movie, or they and I guess that's not virtual reality, it's like the dream space. But yeah. yeah, they're going into another dimension and everything looks strange and they change the lighting and the camera angles and the way they're filming it because it's a dream space. I understand Harsh Realm is supposed to be an accurate representation of reality, but we need some visual indicator other than the on-screen Chirons to let us know which
1: one we're in uh, in a second. Okay, and, and here's the thing, though, because... I think they tried to. They tried to make Harsh Realm look really kind of dour. Mm. They made it look like Counter-Strike, which I think was around around the time Harsh Realm was out. It was, a, mm. um, it was an online combat game, okay. kind of like Overwatch. Everyone just plays. It's all about killing each other, basically, but it was more realistically presented. Mm. Uh, there were also Call of Duty games, which were popular at the time. These are World War II simulators. This is why the World War II episode felt appropriate, because that actually was the kind of thing that was being played at the mm. time. Um, and I actually liked in the World War II episode, when they went to the World War II minigame, it got desaturated a little bit. Th- that was clever. That but... was good. But like, yeah, ordinarily, it, yeah, the problem is, it just, the entire series looks pretty much the same. By the last episode, it looks like they gave up on making everything look kind of dreary. Uh-huh. And just made it look like a real show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's something and just fire, like... Fire their old photographer. You have a show about a, a virtual reality where, I know it's modeled after reality, but in theory, anything can happen. Mm. Why are you making it look and sound boring? Yeah. What are you, what are you after? What's the point? Like, like I know budget's may- an maybe, issue. Well, maybe the
0: comment was, um, that games don't necessarily jazz reality up. Uh, there was a, a famous court case when, uh, some, some like state legislator was trying to have video games banned because they felt it was leading, like leading the youth to, to,
1: Violent that, behavior. That happened a couple of it times. It happened a couple yeah. times. But
0: yeah. one of the times this happened. And uh, Penn Gillette of all people, said, oh, yeah, video games do not encourage violent behavior. And I'll prove it. I'll make a video game for you. <laughs> and it was a driving simulator where you are on a straight patch of road going from L.A. to New York delivering freight. I think it was Vegas, actually. or, or it was Vegas. OK. Yeah. Uh, but you had to drive. called Desert Bus. Desert Bus. You had to drive it in real time. There, was, there were no features on the horizon. It was a straight length of road, and the car always drifted a little bit, so you actually had to correct driving. You couldn't just let it play. Yep. And it was meant to be the most boring thing imaginable. And if
1: you veer off the road or if you uh. crash or something, you wait for a tow truck, and then the tow truck bit takes you to where you started, and you got to mm. start all over again. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh Say what you will cool. about Penn
0: Jillette. He's he's got a, a good mind for pranks.
1: Yeah, yeah. And no, and then listen. There's you could have had a commentary about video game violence. Why mm. not? But no, they're not going for that at all. Mm. Um, well, there's there's no players that interact
0: with the real world, except from like a few intermediaries. Harsh Realm is secret.
1: Yeah, uh, movie, It would be interesting if like season two or something like that mm-hmm. it was like none of this horse Realm shit is working bring on the teenagers Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. bring in a bunch of teen video bring, game gurus bring in, the and they, ki-
0: bring in the kids from Freaky Links yeah, then they get start, them like, in breaking there breaking the
1: system because they're too damn good at it and all the real soldiers are pissed mm-hmm. uh, the next episode is called Reunion this one is pretty embarrassing uh, so Hobbs runs into the virtual character of his mother who is dying oh, in a God. labor camp uh, run by Tobin Bell from That's the Saw right. movies mm-hmm. and, of course, 100 Lies of Black Jack Savage. Uh, he meets his mother. His mother is dying. And wouldn't you know it, in the real world, his mother is, is also dying. dying, yeah. And Samantha Mathis is, like, trying to take care of his mother and it's all sad. Mm-hmm. And uh, his mother will, like, wake up in the real world and be like, oh, I dreamt. Mm-hmm. I dreamt my son was here, even though I know he's missing, and that couldn't possibly be. Ha ha
0: ha! ha. No, to- Tobin Bell is a real person. He's a soldier who's also in Harsh Realm, right? Oh, was he? No, I thought it was he. I okay. thought
1: he was a VC. Well, whatever. It's, it's not important. It really. makes
0: more. Well, it makes more sense because
1: why do you need forced labor in a virtual world? What are you making? Do people eat? That's the thing. They actually talk about this. There's an episode, uh, an, an episode or two from now where they're talking about how hungry they are. You're on IV packs. You don't actually have to eat. Yeah. I understand wanting to, because it's a mm. virtual world and it probably tastes like real food, but you don't need to. Maybe well, the virtual character does, but you don't. The whole... I mean, the stakes are
0: if you die in VR, you die in real life. So like, if, if you get shot, like... They don't really explain it, so but we had feel, that. So
1: they need to eat virtual food in order to stay virtual, like sated.
0: Yeah, like that's a terrible but, system. But it's, it's like if you get shot by a virtual, your virtual body gets shot by a virtual bullet. Like I, I guess something will happen in your brain that makes you think you're dead, so you die. Why does okay all of the? So people I guess who are, if, if your virtual stomach empties out and you become virtual emaciated, then your virtual. That feeds into your real brain and your real brain dies.
1: All of the people who created Harsh Realm, and I don't mean mm. like the the generals, I mean like the programmers, mm. they would have come from video games. Some of them would have mm. because you're looking at, you know, scripting uh, uh, Interac- I- and trees and Interactive media, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some of them would have. And mm. I guarantee you someone would say, what if something is broken in Harsh Realm? We need to be able to go in mm. and test it and fix it. That's what you do. I used to work in quality assurance testing and video games. Okay. So... Yeah. At some point, you just play the game. However, there are instances in which you can enter a god mode. In fact, a lot of the the old codes that they used to have in Nintendo games, like the Konami code. Oh, yeah. Up, up, down, down, left, left right, right, left, right, BA, right, yeah. yeah. The reason why that would work and that would give you things like unlimited lives or unlimited ammo is because the they programmers to the need game, to be able the game, to... F- the game's easier for the testers. Well, yeah, because, like, listen, all we need to do is get to this last level to make sure that this wall isn't broken. Mm. Do you want to get through the whole fucking game or do you want to just use the the god mode and just pick the level? Yeah. Why isn't that in there? If you actually want Santiago you, go out, you know why that, don't yeah. you give the
0: guy admin powers? Uh, well they w- they would have ex- if they were wise, they would have explained that he
1: would have locked them out somehow. Why don't they explain to yeah. him what's actually going on before he goes in there? I understand telling not telling him he can't get out. Mm. But like His tutorial is Jillian Anderson saying a bunch of apocalyptic bullshit and then he doesn't realize that he's in the game now. Mm. That's a terrible... System. At least <laughs> tell him how it works. At least give mm. him like the basic gameplay well, vernacular. Yeah. That's what a tutorial is. If you can insert
0: anything you like, like people can come and go and they can bring things in. You can insert whatever you like into the game. Yeah, bring a lightsaber. Do something. Mm. So it's like, like oh, this fun. Like, oh no, I'm feeling really hungry. And voila, a duffel bag full of hot dogs appears in front of you. Why not? Yeah. I, just, I just, a Stuckies appears on the horizon. Add some humor to the show. If they we're refuse say.
1: to have fun fine yeah. with the premise and you can do that without removing the severity of the stakes you can do that you, yeah. just, you have to establish what can be done and what can't be done it, but you should be able some to levity is fine yeah there's the Matrix no, had levity, for fuck's sake.
0: Even the X Files had levity. Usually, they like crunched them all up into one episode, but th- well, there, there was, was usually still a joke, jo- yeah, too—jokes or sarcasm here and there. These characters aren't jokey; they're not no. sar- sarcastic. They don't have any kind of sense of humor. No. Uh, Pinocchio's cynical, but he's
1: bitter. He's not yeah. a funny character. No, he's not. And
0: DB Sweeney's a funny guy. Yeah,
1: if you've, you've ever seen the Cutting Edge, he's great in that movie. I love that movie. Mm. There's a really good joke on uh, the Bad Romance podcast. Mm. Uh Brian Isaac and Jordan Searles have a great podcast that's just reviewing a bunch of mostly bad rom coms, occasionally a good one, but mm. um and they did the cutting edge. Okay. And they I think it was Brian Isaac who pointed out everyone in the cutting edge is dressed like a hitman. Okay. Like every guy, and there's <laughs> something like I can never not see it from now on. Like it's a hundred percent true. Like, like the, they're all the dark weirdly, suits in the shades. They're all, you know. or just like, or some like kooky, like you know, red two hitmen. Like they just always like, and that's all I can see now. <laughs> they're all hitmen. They're all hitmen. Who <laughs> do ice skating. It's just really funny. But uh, yeah, he can be really, really charming. He was in a series I've been trying to track down for a bit. It was another canceled too soon show called Strange Luck. Which was one of the uh, X-Files knockoffs. And the whole gag is, like, the laws of probability did not apply to one guy. And every single thing he did was the least probable version of what that could be. So, for example, every lottery scratcher he buys, he wins something. Mm. And so that's why he doesn't have to work. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Like <laughs> just every like every okay, well that's lunch. Boom. Like done. Somebody thought that through. <laughs> yeah, like so they they it's it's fun. They never really got into the mechanics of it too deeply that I can recall. But it was just basically, hey, you know, how, like almost every TV show is full of implausibilities. Mm. Let's make that the premise. <laughs> was a fun idea i really want to re-explore well, they, that and check that they down. did that in
0: in the movies with uh, domino in the deadpool movies yeah there you go
1: yeah and even talked about everything. how that's not cinematic like, uh, <laughs> like you're, you're
0: gonna, we're gonna jump out of a car what's gonna happen i don't know things just usually work out for me
1: <laughs> yeah and, and Deadpool just says yeah. that's not cinematic and then it shows off that's cinematic, that's cinematic pal, if you're yeah. clever about it um the episode ends with uh both of Hobbes' moms dying, but then as she's dying and she's looking at her son, the mom in the real world is dying, and then Samantha Mathis sees her husband and in, in his mom's eyes, yeah. and you're like, no,
0: pass. Well, this is this is a, a a beef I have, not to give it away, but with source code where like,
1: oh, don't give it away too much.
0: Yeah, but just the worlds start to bleed into each other a little bit yeah. without any kind of explanation as to how that's happening. Just, just because the non-player characters look and behave and are modeled exactly on the real world doesn't mean
1: they'll be meaningfully connected in any sort of well, way. Well, you can maybe argue that, like, a person's soul is connected because oh, okay. they took their consciousness and gave it to these other people. So maybe it took maybe,
0: like a piece of their soul. Yeah, and put you it can in the die game.
1: in one world and not in the other, but mm-hmm. it it does. You can feel things. Like we have deja okay. vu. Maybe you experienced it in a oh. heart realm. You could have played with that. All right. You know, they well, didn't. I but wish they'd explored that too. The next episode is called Three Percenters. And boy, is this a weird one. So this is mm-hmm. the one where Hobbes and Pinocchio and Florence end up in a cult. Mm. Of a bunch of people who are living next to a lake, and the lake has consciousness and is copying everyone with lake stuff, and it wants to copy everybody, and it's, well, it's going to feed everybody to everybody. It's, it's, a it's a healing pool, and it's like cutting off pieces of people and feeding them to other guys. Cool. Odd.
0: Well, I think it was this episode where they started bringing up theology. Yeah, like the theology yeah. of harsh realm. If if the, the you know the world is a created place, we actually know that there is a god in harsh realm because. We know somebody created it. Yeah, we... And somebody, you know, you're talking about the God code. God has the God code. Yeah. Like, G-O-D God. And, you know, if you're a non-player character and you were created by this, you know, outside consciousness, you know, how is that different from believing in God-God? Yeah. And I, I, Good question. And I, and I appreciated that they, you know, sort of at least addressed and actually pondered for a moment the actual theology of virtual reality.
1: But then it ended up being but about a lake monster. It
0: ended up being about a lake monster, and then they, they forget <laughs> it. Like You'd think that would sort of change the direction of the show. Doesn't that
1: seem kind of important? Doesn't that seem like kind of a big deal? No, yeah, we have like more this shooting is, to this do. This is a pretty
0: big, big question we're asking here. What's going on? Uh, and then in the next episode, I think that's the one where they find the cult with healing powers. Uh, yeah, Florence so, is from
1: a place called the Sisterhood. Hmm. And I wanted and to be a lot interested of religious in the iconography in this one as well. I wanted to be interested in this, but it was so boring. And uh, this one, they uh, they get cut in a minefield, and Pinocchio loses a leg, mm-hmm. which is pretty fucked up. Uh, except he's a virtual character, so uh, they get to the Sisterhood, and the Sisterhood ends up healing his leg. Well, and we find uh, out that Florence was like rejected from the Sisterhood because she wanted to fight.
0: She wanted to fight, but she ends up embracing her healing powers. And is it Florence who sacrifices herself to bring the leg back? No, one of the other sisters sisters who is like debating what she's going to do with her healing powers. They say, well, we can heal like a bullet wound or a cut, but we can't grow back a leg. But somebody does grow back his leg, but she dies.
1: Yeah, like so it uses up she, all of her bits. She, she dies so they oh. don't have to do a one-legged special effect for D.B. Sweeney. I forgot about this. So, like, when mm. we're watching the pilot episode, my wife and I are just like, God, I hope they do a Pokemon episode. Because Pokemon already existed at the time. Yeah. And, like, so it could be a thing where it's like, hey, what if, like, like in this an animal realm, in a ball. Yeah. yeah. Like, something like that. You know, let's let's have some fun with other genres. Like, mm-hmm. video game genres that exist within Hearthroll, little mini-games. Uh-huh. Um, and sure enough, in episode two or three... Uh, we kind of have that. There's a fighting game where like two guys in big wrestling costumes oh, like, yeah, yeah. go to an arena, but the arena's really, really tiny. And what they have are little boxes, are zip files with all of their aggression oh, right. and little yeah. avatars of them that fight in a little tiny arena like holograms. Like, and they look like Mortal Kombat. It's kind of stupid, but at the same time, I wish there'd been more of it. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, I, I totally forgot about that, but yeah, a little tiny splash of color. All right, the next episode, uh, yeah, uh, Manos Domini. That was the episode with the Sisterhood. Next up, Cincinnati. Now, this is one that I almost liked. Where, well, this, like, and we're, this is the one where they're wrapping up. Well, they're starting to. Yeah. Uh, so we, we're finally picking up. Santiago's been on the fringe. Hmm. This whole time, but here's a real proper Santiago episode, and uh, there are a bunch of uh, Native Americans who have formed a rebellion against Santiago, who has already taken over multiple states in the Union hmm. uh, as a new dictator after you know the nuclear attack. Um, And he's trying to get to Ohio, and Ohio is being well-protected by Native Americans, and uh, Santiago has a really complicated plan to infiltrate the Native Americans. He has a device that steals one of his soldiers' faces and gives it to him. All they really did was put putty on Terry Quinn's face, Mm. so it looks a little pudgy. Like, that's it. Like, it looks exactly (laughs) like Santiago. Like, it's embarrassing. Like, just let the other actor play him. Mm-mm. it's Harsh Realm who gives a it's, shit it's, like it's, I don't know why we're, we're bothering it oh looks stupid so he inter, he he inter, he he infiltrates the Native Americans and um, he switches a couple more faces, yada, 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 kills them, takes Cincinnati, and it looks for a second like Hobbes and Pinocchio will have actually captured Santiago and ended the game, but in actuality they caught whoever swapped faces with Santiago. Mm. They and do... In fact,
0: it starts with the capture, so it's like a big tantalizing tease.
1: No, it's not a tantalizing tease. This is one of my least favorite tropes in all of fiction. Where they they, they show you the ending and then they double back? Every once in a while it can work. Mm. Every once in a while it can work. But the idea behind this trope is... There's something really interesting that happens later, and we're going to show you that without showing you any context, without mm. showing you how it happened. Often it's characters we've already met who are acting completely out of character. Right. And then we're going to do a flashback to mm. see how we got there. Yeah. to One week earlier. Yeah. One day earlier. Mm. Seven, two hours earlier. Whatever. I would argue that at least nine times out of ten when people use that trope, mm-hmm. the reason you use that trope is because the beginning of your story sucked. <laughs> you had a boring beginning of your story it's, And the only way to make it interesting Is to, is to promise you oh. That if you stick around For two thirds of the episode Eventually we'll get to this good thing However You do that in movies all the time too I know right? And every once in a while it'll work every, Like Fight Club mm. works at work or uh, the, um, the movie May makes it work
0: if you recall, the very opening shot of I don't the, remember movie the opening May. shot of May. It's, I love that movie. I don't remember the, the opening, shot. opening shot. of May is the main character standing in front of the mirror, clutching her eye, oh, with blood yeah. pouring down her face, screaming. And then we cut like to several months earlier, how yeah. whatever the span of time was. Oh, so we know it's going to end badly for her, and I think that works with that movie because it's about sort of her fall.
1: It's about a tragedy. You might think mm. it's a sweet story otherwise. Mm. I'm not saying it can't work. Mm. What I'm saying is, in this case. It feels phony. Mm. It feels just like we're just trying to trying to grab you in a way. Well, we're 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 just trying to like put like you know a fake mustache on a pile of poo. Like, see, it's a person. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's played by Sir Patrick Stewart. And it's actually not like a that's like it's not even that bad an episode. Like, it's a fine episode. Like, I probably would have been more invested mm. in it if you hadn't shown me that earlier because I know that that can't be the how it works. Otherwise. Showing it to us wouldn't have led to a satisfying ending because it just Mm. would have been the ending. Yeah. So there's got to be another reversal. So I know you didn't get him now. So fuck you. Mm. (laughs) So I'm mad. Um, Then uh, uh, the last episode. Camera Obscura. The uh, last one that was made. Yeah, there was another one that was unproduced. uh, That would be about Hobbes meeting an old lover or something. Um, But uh, in the last one, Hobbes and Pinocchio. By the way, his name is Pinocchio. I can mm. never get used to that Just just Not Pinocchio yeah. Or some variation And It's, variation it's not, a, it's not of, a nickname yeah. It's on his dog tag His name is like Trevor Pinocchio Or something stupid mm. Like what?
0: It's, it's a name
1: Mike Pinocchio Mike turns. Pinocchio
0: Trevor Pinocchio
1: uh, The last episode So uh, Hobbs and Pinocchio uh, Take a gig As bodyguards Mm-hmm and they're going to be paid in gold, which apparently is the popular currency in dystopian America. I don't know why. I'm um, not sure what it's going to be useful for. Uh, mm. they, they see them earlier just like, oh, we need a tank of gas. I'll give you six bullets for it. Like, there you go. Barter mm. system. I'm with you. Um, and uh, they are on opposite sides of a Romeo and Juliet feud oh, God. between two, people, two, two families in New York City who are being manipulated oh, by a so priest played by... Robert Nepper, who, just look him up, it's not good, um, but uh, he has this ability to see the future because he can see the code in mm. Harsh Realm, which you would think would be insanely useful And they'd be trying to break into that room to find out what's going to happen with Santiago and end the game, mm. never occurs to them.
0: It, but yeah, it's, it's like uh, the when Neo gets, like, code vision in The Matrix.
1: Yeah, you'd think that'd be, like, the solution to everything, but mm. yeah. Um, and it turns out he's manipulating them all, and he's manipulating them all so that the feud will go on forever so that he won't get lonely.
2: Hmm.
1: Leave! Just go, go with them, for God's sake. The they, code, they trust yeah. you. They like you. What do you want? Like, what the hell? And then, and then uh, ha, uh, Pinocchio goes mad with, like, money lust and starts, like, breaking into stuff even all though right. he's going to get too much radiation and die. The, the gold
0: is... It's, it's gold, that's right, it's Goldfinger's plan. They they couldn't break into the the gold vault because it had all been irradiated.
1: But yeah, basically. Um, oh, and what's his name is in this episode too from RoboCop and uh, Clifty Young. Oh right, yeah. Clifty Young is in the episode. He plays the dad of the daughter who's in the Romeo and Juliet bullshit right. feud. This is this is it's just one of those stories that Cap- every Capulet, yeah. every TV show has to do a Romeo and Juliet episode where there's two people feuding and their kids are mm-hmm. in love. It's oh, an obligation. You try to get out of the way early. I appreciate that. What a I,
0: this, gosh! This episode's just slipping away. Um, the the thing I remember most sharply from the episode was the final shot where, yeah, Pinocchio's gone gold. he has gold fever, like from Ducktales, <laughs> and he's he's gone mad for gold. And he has this gold, and he's getting like sick from radiation poisoning. And they re- reveal that there's all of his gold, but it's in the middle of a radiation chamber. And the final shot is like a zoom through a little hole in a wall into the chamber where all of the gold is, and it's all irradiated. And it's just this big, lingering shot on all the gold, as if there's some sort of portent here. Like the radioactive gold is playing a big part
1: of the story. I think it's showing him that the gold, there really was gold there. Like it wasn't, like oh, it was it's like all in his head. Okay. But it's also a virtual currency. Yeah, it's Bitcoin. Give them the currency. Just download it in there. I know mm. the Ma- like you know like after they saw the Matrix, a bunch of ideas finally came to them. Oh, mm. uh, they probably could just get all the guns they wanted if someone on the outside is like, actually- like someone mm. on the outside has got to actually have a vested interest in actually getting Santiago. Why aren't you helping? The, Why aren't you helping? What's the, the point of this?
0: Unfortunately, in the Matrix, they kind of you know they made even that seem kind of boring at the beginning of the second one. Yeah, because there there was a scene where there like piling a ship through the matrix. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a control room in the matrix. And then we cut to the real world and they're in a control room. So they have to plug themselves in a, go to a control room, plug themselves in so they can go to a control room. It's I like know. the, you have to go into a file, cl- file clerk's office to get to a file clerk's office. It's I mean, look, the, the most m- boring thing. The matrix has problems too.
1: It really but, does. Yeah. Like, and one of the things we talk about, like, Oh, why don't you just make the protagonist OP?
2: Hmm.
1: Gamers speak for overpowered. But uh, why don't you... I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard people, like, can really confused when I use that terminology lately. Like, I use that in an interview with somebody, uh. like, who made a movie with a character who was arguably OP, and they're like, huh? I'm like, okay, I'll explain. <laughs> so, OP, the clothing label? Sure. Uh, but uh, one of the problems with making Neo the one at the end of the first Matrix is in the second one, how do you challenge them? Uh. You can't. Mm. He solves everything really, really easily, so they yeah, have to like the, bend over backwards yeah, to keep him the, out of the Matrix. Yeah, or by, yeah, by the third one, he's just having pretty much a Dragon Ball fight with the bad guy. Yeah, the only really genuinely, truly exciting action sequence I think in the Matrix Two and Three. I don't think they're a complete watch, mm-hmm. but they're not as good as the original. But the only truly exciting one is that awesome freeway, the freeway chase. She, yeah. And the reason why is because Neo isn't there. <laughs> it's the other character. If Neo was there. It would be over in a heartbeat. Also, they built their own highway to film that sequence. Oh, that so, cool. it,
0: yeah, it looks really cool. That's really
1: amazing. You know, that sequence was directed by the guy who directed *Found Destination 2. Nice. Like Good. the second unit guy. Good like, job. Yeah. Yeah. He was a great second unit guy. He, uh, uh, sadly, no longer with us.
0: Oh, that's that's a pity.
1: Uh, oh, David David Ellis. That was what it was. Oh, David right. Ellis. Yeah, yeah. Really, really solid, fun genre filmmaker. Did Final mm. Destination 2. Did Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> did uh, Shark Knight. <laughs> fun guy. Fun. Uh, fun, fun <laughs> I think I read him once. Mm. Hope oh, I did. Um, anyway, so that is Harsh Realm. If Harsh Realm had continued for a hundred episodes, I'll okay. say this: there's a ton of places they could have gone with it. Like you well, get like a new, uh, some new writers in there with some fresh ideas. There's well, a million things you could do. There's with a this. million things you could have done
0: with it if you had started a different show. Clearly, they were going for something that I wasn't latching onto because I don't know what kind of what they're trying to say with this virtual reality world. Uh-huh. What is the theme of Harsh Realm? That there's a fake world and it's miserable in there, and they can't really operate in the well the, the non physical world. Imagine and there's no driving force to complete their task. Right. There's no cleverness in the way they're doing it. The mm-hmm. characters aren't very interesting, so they're not reacting to this in any kind of natural way.
1: Well, the thing that I think about uh, in terms of the good version of this mm-hmm. is actually uh, the newer TV series of Westworld. Which I wanted to say, talk about until the end. Uh, Westworld, in, in its original conception, if you watch the original movie Westworld, it's, it's a fun movie. Uh, it's about mm. a bunch of people who go to a resort type uh, uh, theme park where all their. a all, whole bunch of like hu- humanoid, realistic robots in, you know, cowboy garb or ancient Roman garb in another land. Um, and the robots go crazy and start killing everybody. And in the. HBO series, which is... I didn't see the second season. The first season was really good. Um, The main storyline is... All of these robots are real enough to be indistinguishable from human. Hmm. What if they're indistinguishable from human?
0: Yeah, well, that and that's the whole uh, uh, Turing thing, Yeah. But like the the Turing test. You know, can, how do you tell? How can you test if you're talking to an artificial intelligence or a person pretending to be an artificial
1: intelligence? Yeah, and if you can't tell the difference, what's yeah. the difference?
0: Yeah, the the point is, it doesn't matter if the robot is actually conscious. You don't know if another person's actually conscious. True, I'm taking um, it on until, faith. Yeah. Until we're psychic, we're not going to know that. So, yeah, you're, you're kind of taking it on faith that these the all the people around you aren't fake. Mm. And if a robot can convince you enough, then that's the same as them being actually conscious.
1: And the idea of Westworld, in it's, again, the newer version in particular, mm. in, is, actually incorporates a lot of video game mechanics. Like, depending on who you talk to, you start mm. different side quests and different mini games mm. and different collectibles and things. And they tailor the experience to what you're trying mm. to do. And I feel like that's the sort of thing I would have liked to have seen in Harsh Realm. Like, what if at the end of the game he defends... Defeats Santiago, and then he finds out he's actually. He's beat, that's a mini game, and actually yeah, he's beat level one. Yeah, harsh yeah. realm actually like completely re, reworks itself, and now he is in the fantasy version of it. It's mm. Lord of the Rings or some shit, yeah, and there. he's got to do it all over again until he beats the game. And there's a whole bunch of different mm. that could have been kind of a fun reveal. That might have been an interesting like cliffhanger. It,
0: it's not that ambitious, unfortunately. No, the narratives are all really tiny. In it's this, this that's show. The thing
1: you take this big idea mm. and you make the smallest show possible out of it, and that's such a waste of a good idea I feel like this is one of those shows we keep running into these lately these shows that aren't good but the idea is good We like Mrs. Sundance Mm -hmm. the idea of what happened to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kids uh, you know accomplice uh, after they died and how she became an outlaw or whatever that's a show like I want to see that show I'd like to see her adventures the actual show wasn't good yeah you could reboot yeah, that and I'd right. like to see. It. You're right. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like you could reboot Harsh Realm today with more people more comfortable and familiar with video games, you know, to mm-hmm. explain it all to them. You know, just learn a few mistakes from your, learn from a few of your mistakes about well, raising I, the stakes and I think keeping the, the.
0: Well, you couldn't reboot Harsh Realm because all of the ideas that they're dealing with were dealt with in the Matrix sequels. Like a a lot of these big deals about sort of like the layers of reality and, you know, coming to like use your consciousness to overwhelm the machine intelligence. But maybe there's this tantalizing idea that the machine lets that happen every time to time so they can kind of keep people even more control. It could be as simple as just dealing with bigger ideas is my point. And I just feel
1: like what all it is, is they're sucked into a a magical dimension. A lot of stories begin that way. mm -hmm. Narnia begins that way. And just the idea is this, it's a video game dimension, we're stuck in Warcraft or mm. Fallout or one of those, and we all only have one life, and if we die here before we beat the game, we die mm. in real life. Mm. But we also know enough about video game mechanics, we're self-aware, yeah. so that we understand exploits, we understand how it all works, and we can actually, like, we're extra good in this system, even though it is still hard and our lives are still threatened. Like, there's still a story there. mm You know, we did a combat simulator. We're going to drop real soldiers into it. And if they die there, they die for real. Why would you build that? Well, um,
0: for reasons. Why did we build that? So to to, to train police, we took the evil of every single serial killer that we've (laughs) ever met and made one gigantic super serial killer. And that makes them better cops somehow. Oh, and by the way, in the same room where we did this, we have a robot builder. That's a really (laughs) smart idea.
1: That's the plot Uh, from Virtuosity. I
0: hope those two things don't hook up and the serial killer escapes into the real world somehow and is played by Russell Crowe. That's the plot from Virtuosity. (laughs) Virtuosity. It's a fun movie.
1: It's stupid, but it's fun. It's
0: it's so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Dumb as a bag
1: of hammers, but wow, it's fun. Uh, The other thing that I think would have happened if the show had gone on for 100 episodes Mm. is it would have gone past two seasons. And if it had gone past two seasons, the third season of this show about an alternate reality of America where a terrorist attack went off in New York City and Mm. changed the fate of our future... Uh, would have been concurrent with nine eleven. Yeah, and I don't think it would have lasted much longer than that. So I think we might have only had another season. That's true. Or, I think it would have been very poor taste, depending on how how they handled it.
0: Well, I think they could have because it's in an alternate universe. I think it would have been kind of safe if it just doesn't they, feel like an like
1: escapist if, if the, show anymore. Well, it's not know? an
0: escapist show, but you know, consider like consider being an American abroad when it happened, which you know happened to certain like Americans were traveling when nine yeah. eleven went down. And they're desperate for news. Imagine they, they get word of 9-11 in Harsh Realm, and that kind of ups the stakes a little bit and makes it a lot more serious. I think they could have tastefully handled that. Like, they, they're really concerned about the real world now, so it just sort of re-ups their motivation to get out. And the, the, the world of Harsh Realm just is less significant to them because the real world is now a much more uh, present place in their minds.
1: I suspect to you know the answer to this question. Hmm. Was Harsh Realm cancelled too soon?
0: Oh, well, gee, I don't know. VR 5 is
1: better than this. It it was better than this. And also VR 5 kind of sucked.
0: Yeah, VR (laughs) 5 is not a good show. There's like maybe one and a half good episodes of VR 5. There's some camp value to it, but it's not good. No, this this is a a dull, uninteresting show that Uh, from somebody who you would think would bring some interesting ideas to the notion of virtual reality and brought literally none of
1: them. I, I think there's promise in the pilot. I there's will say this, there's are there, so things that are brought up and never explored. Mm. And again, the show probably would have gotten to them eventually, but you do not get have to them the now. time. Yeah, you do not this is a hard sell. This mm. is a hard realm. Yeah. <laughs> <And> this is <laughs> harsh in my realm, mm. man. Um This is this is this is a weird concept. Even after the Matrix, you're not the same as the Matrix. You have to introduce people to new stuff. You had to do way more work than they were willing to do. Yeah. To yeah. get this thing going. And they oh, I swear to God, I just think they thought people would just glom onto it because there's a lot of action and gunfire. Hmm. It's Which, not that interesting.
0: Well, and that's the thing about Chris Carter. He's never been an action and gunfire guy. He's yeah. been mysteries and conspiracies and puzzle boxes and theories and I big ideas. I appreciate him wanting
1: to switch it up. Well, that's know.
0: that's fine, but he's not well-suited for military action. Hmm. He doesn't know how to make a military action show. He's not willing to delve into the world of video games or virtual, virtual reality at all. Hmm. And for some reason, he's not in, like... In the headspace to create an interesting, textured character for this, mm. it it's like he it's like he saw Nowhere Man and thought I could do that better. No, no you can't. No, Nowhere Man was knocking off Chris Carter, by the way. Oh, we got
1: to do Nowhere Man at some point. Yeah, we keep putting that one up. Same
0: musician too, Mark Snow, so right it has a really similar vibe. I'm going to quote Thomas Hobbes <laughs> <laughs> to this war of every man against every man. This is also inconsequent. The notions of right and wrong, justice and injustice, have in there have no place. Where there is no common power, there is no law. Where there is no law, there is no injustice. No arts, no letters, no society in which the worst of all—continual fear and danger of violent death—and the life of man solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short.
1: This this is harsh realm. realm. All right, uh, everybody, thank you very much for joining us on our analysis of Harsh Realm. Mm. Uh, We'll be back next week as Chris Carter month continues. It won't be strictly confined to May, (laughs) but we're going to do at least three or four episodes Mm. of Chris Carter shows in a row. And the next one is a failed pilot Chris Carter did for Amazon called The After. And I'm not going to ruin what it's about, but it is a post-apocalyptic show about a bunch of people trying to make it work. Oh, so it's after the apocalypse. Eh? Yeah, it makes you think right well, was was it you who
0: said there are only two types of shows there's only two types of fiction there's pre-apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic
1: yeah that's yeah, it yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I will argue this there is also just apocalyptic which is about the actual moment <laughs> but that's a very minor subgenre it's well, post-apocalyptic the, the, the and everything that happened before the ter- like Bad News Bears is a pre-apocalyptic movie
0: <laughs> it's so my, stand by that it's my fourth favorite pre-apocalyptic movie yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, so we'll be back next week with a review of The After. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at CanceledCast. We're also at Critic Acclaim if you want to follow all of our podcasts together. We also have a bunch of other podcasts on the Schmoes No Network. Uh, we have The Critically Acclaimed, where we review new release movies. We have The Two Shot, where we do uh, double features of the worst and best movies ever made every single week. Uh, we have a bunch of bonus episodes that are up on our Patreon account, Patreon.com/slash critic acclaim if you voted in our cancel too soon awards we have announced the winners of those and every single winner we have will get an episode of one of our podcasts dedicated directly to them whatever the hell they want us to do Mm -hmm. i'm really excited to see how that's going to turn out we just announced those winners luca did it thank you luca you're very very good Somebody uh, was concerned because Luca was
0: is like the rambunctious one who picked the names out of the hat, yeah. and Sergio wasn't in the video, and they were very
1: concerned about Sergio. Sergio was fine. Sergio was also fifteen. He, he's he, he's an old kitty. He's an old cat. He's, he's he's feeling a little stressed, so he's, he's not Sergio not as
0: rambunctious. Was, he he would just sort of sit in the papers and not do anything. Ser, Sergio
1: is uh, is uh, mostly. He's not even a year old yet, is he? No, Luca's a year old. Luca's one year old. Sergio is fifteen, and he spends most of his time with naps. Yeah, and honestly, good for well, him. You
0: know, when I'm his age, that's what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah, no, he's. But I assure you, he's he's reasonably healthy. He's mm-hmm. doing okay. Um, we have no reason to worry about him. He's mm-hmm. fine. He, he just, just he just
0: wasn't in the video. He just all.
1: doesn't do videos as much anymore. He's out. He's retired. He's. <laughs> I want he's
0: to be good. alone.
1: <laughs> but he's fine. Occasionally, you can hear him, you know, mewling in the background when it's lunchtime and we're still recording. <laughs> um, but thank you for everybody for asking. Uh, yeah. So from uh, Whitney Seibold, myself, all the cats um, from, from Will uh, my... and Abe and all
0: the rest, <laughs> like to wish you a very good President's Day.
1: Now we're good. But uh, anyway, that's that's a wrap, folks. We will see you next season.